Sometimes I really question whether I'm on the right path. There was this feeling of sadness and just a lot of anxiety about the future. One of the reasons I went into law wasn't out of passion. He said, if you go, there's a huge chance you'll never be able to come out and then you'll never be a normal lawyer. Amelda's story is completely different from any I've ever heard before. She went through law school, passed the bar, and then didn't become a lawyer. She couldn't get a law job. So she went into document review, legal content writing, and seven years on, she still hasn't found a legal role. In this episode, you'll find out why, the toll it's had on her, and how she's been forced into a non-traditional legal path. Before we get into it, I have some really exciting news. If you're a lawyer who wants to start a podcast, but you don't know where to begin, what you need, how to get over the mental barriers, then this is for you. When I started a podcast, I really struggled to find information on YouTube, through other podcasts or online. I found articles, but they just weren't telling me enough. I needed to know more about how to market podcasts, how to monetize them, and get to grips with things beyond equipment and editing. So that's why I'm offering locked episodes or subscription episodes within this podcast. So basically, if you subscribe and the charge is less than a cup of coffee per month, you'll get access to extra episodes on how to start a podcast. I get down to the nitty gritty I wish I had access to this when I first started out. It would have been a no-brainer for me to to get this. All you have to do is go to Spotify, click on the locked episode, and it will take you to sign up to the subscription. Enjoy! Imelda, one of the things that fascinates me about you is the fact that usually I speak to lawyers who have gone through law school, they've become practicing lawyers, but you did all that, you went through law school but you didn't start practicing technically as a lawyer. You went into document review and then content writing. How did that happen? I think it was mostly out of necessity because I wanted to have um, you know, the typical law job, but the job market when I graduated was very bad. And um, so I graduated in 2017 and I took a year to try to pass the bar as well. And then in 2019, I was called to the bar. And then, you know, six months afterwards, <laughs> a COVID hit. So there weren't really many jobs. But in 2019, the only job I could get that was related to law was document review. And, you know, I was really happy because some people couldn't even get those jobs because there's a lot of competition for them and they pay pretty well. So I did document review for six months after getting called to the bar. And then it was the lockdown. Wow. That's that's crazy. Does any part of you kind of think, oh, you know what, I wish I I went down that traditional route? Definitely. You know, um, sometimes I really question whether I'm on the right path. But like I said, it's out of necessity because um, I never really had the, the, I guess, the chance to choose between a traditional path and a non-traditional one. Because I have been applying to traditional jobs, you know, since 2019, all the way till now. But due to not having the experience that most law firms want, which is, you know, non-freelance work, you know, specifically 
and also it has to be very specific, like corporate law or family law or, you know, criminal. And I never had any of those experiences. So I feel like law, if no one hires you right out, right out of law school, then it gets really hard to actually get the traditional law career because experience trumps everything. And if you don't have the experience they're looking for, then it's very hard to compete for jobs. So that's why I had to go into other things. You've been pushed into a corner where you cannot find jobs in the legal industry. And you had to to search for freelance work. How did that feel? I think it felt sort of disempowering. I didn't enjoy it, to be honest. I felt that maybe I had failed because I was like, you know, not every... I mean, I knew there were lawyers who were not, you know, quote unquote, successful in the traditional sense, but you don't really want to feel like you're becoming one of them because it's so stressful to think about. Because if you're taking a non-traditional path... Sometimes you feel like no one can mentor you because no one has the answers for what you're going to be doing. I was actually talking to someone about it yesterday and she said, wow, she's like, you know, it is very hard to find a mentor for you because you're taking a path that no one really has taken, you know, because when you say, oh, I'm a lawyer, I went to law school, people have a very, uh, you know, standardized idea of what you're going to do. You know, you're going to be an in-house lawyer, or you're going to be starting your own practice or something like that, right? But I'm not doing any of those things. So people don't know how to pinpoint me. So they also don't know how to help me. I mean, most people that I've spoken to anyway, have gone from a law job to something else, you know, like starting their own business or content writing or whatever it is. So they've been through that nine till five working pattern they've they've figured out they don't like it and then they've tried to find freedom and flexibility elsewhere but you kind of went backwards and completely skipped over that that step (laughs) which I just find just hilarious (laughs) it is really funny when you think about it because it's very unexpected and I think it's an it's an interesting icebreaker when I tell it to people people are very shocked (laughs) Do you want to go back and get a law job? I don't know. I mean, I'm open to it because I've never done it. But at the same time, I know that the chances of getting one is very low. Because now where I am in Southern Ontario, there's there's another new law school that just opened up three years ago. And they have a lot of graduates. And those people, a lot of them, they, they also don't know what they're going to be doing, especially since most of their studies were done online, right? So they don't have um, the traditional trajectory either. So I feel like there's going to be a glut of graduates, like now especially, who are in the same position as me. I guess I'm just one of the earlier ones (laughs) because I graduated back in 2017. Not now, but still struggle with the same issues. That's crazy to me, to be honest with you, especially in a massive city in Canada. I think it's, it's also amazing that you are like, okay, I can't get a job down the traditional route. So let's pivot and just find something within law. But that's a little bit different. How did you how did you get your your first work? So how I got document review, um, I was just on Indeed. And they were saying, Oh, you know, we need um, someone who's a lawyer with a JD to review these documents. And there are a lot of big law firms and big companies that are looking for this. I, I don't know about now, I think there's fewer. But back before the pandemic, it was pretty common for lawyers who were fired or 
couldn't have their first jobs to do that. So I met many other people um, who couldn't get a job or were fired from their jobs at at these document review jobs. And there were at least like, I mean, I only saw 40 of them at once, but if you look at the whole list of people like on, you know, Microsoft Teams, sometimes there were like 300 or 400 people. Wow, that's crazy. And then mm-hmm. what got you onto the content writing? Well, in 2021, um, document reviews started becoming less common, I think because of the AIs. So when I was doing document review in person in 2019, it was like a team of 40 people in a room or several rooms reviewing documents for several weeks at a time. Um, But then after the pandemic, it went online and the teams got smaller and smaller and our length of time working on each project also got smaller. So it wasn't a sustainable job. And I, well, they didn't really explicitly say it, but I think it was because of the AI. So they would be scanning all the stuff for keywords and also throwing away certain uh, file formats, such as, you know, for example, photos that they don't need. So there was no need for physical people to be sitting there looking for, looking through the stuff for, you know, uh, several weeks so they just needed AI to do it. I was just looking for jobs online and I found several jobs that were looking for editors and writers and I just decided to apply. You know, I was like, even if they don't pay well, because I didn't expect they would, right? Because they're, you know, freelance, when you hear the word freelance, you usually think you can't really make yeah. a lot of money. And sometimes there's that feast and famine, but document review is the same. Like sometimes you all don't get document review projects, just like how you don't get freelance writing projects. Let's talk about AI. So you mentioned that you think the document review stuff was taken over by AI. You know, companies were looking to AI rather than individuals to do document review. Do you think AI would be threatening to legal content writers? I think to a certain degree it might. It's hard for me to say, but definitely AI has replaced some of the more... um, uh, mundane tasks such as maybe brainstorming about what to include in a brief or blog but I don't think it can replace it entirely not at this point because a lot of um, ChatGPT and these other AIs when you ask them to do legal research they often make up laws like fake case laws and stuff like that so I, I think some people did that once and they got caught because they were too lazy to do their own legal research so they asked ChatGPT to do it and the judge was like, these aren't real case laws. Did you use chat GPT? And yeah, it turned out that they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I also think the same. I think that for some tasks or for some people who are in roles where it's more like, I don't know, virtual assistant or admin people, some of their tasks will be taken over by AI. But when it comes to legal content writing, as you say, you know, I think AI hasn't grasped how to do legal research, but also laws are so complicated and they change quite often. So asking a machine to be able to collaborate all that information, particularly like government policies and stuff, which are already complicated to a human being, um, I think it's tricky and I don't think that AI would necessarily take take over roles like what you and I are doing in terms of article writing and stuff like that 
But I mean, we don't know at this point because AI is advancing very quickly. So it's pretty scary to think about. But the only thing we can do is just to go forward and maybe think about how to make marketing more human and more like something that's not as easily, uh, you know, AI is I AI eyesed. You know, ChatGPT is one of the reasons why. I decided to go into podcasting, one of the many, many reasons, but that was a contributing factor because I thought, okay, I need to diversify here. What would you say to someone who is in your position? Let's say they're in your position a number of years ago. They've come out of law school. They are, you know, they've been called to the bar. They are ready to start practicing law and they can't find a job. What advice would you give to them? What advice I would give is to not think about, you know, the prestige or the, um, I guess, the associations associated with law. Because one of the things I noticed about a lot of people in law is that they they built their identity around law. You know, ever since undergrad or before even, they've been aiming to be a lawyer. So the idea that they can't be one due to the job market or just bad luck is not something they've really considered. And, you know, that could create a lot of mental harm, I think, because I've met people who have been waiting for their careers to start, just doing document review for many years. And I can't speak on their behalf, but they don't really seem to be happy because I noticed that every time I set foot in the document review office, there was this feeling of sadness and just a lot of anxiety about the future. And I can understand why. I mean, document review, you don't have a lot of agency. You're just waiting for these companies to send you jobs. And then you have to immediately reply on email to say, hey, I'm available because you are competing with 300 or 400 other people for these jobs. And it's the first come first serve. So it's very stressful. And, you know, if you don't land those jobs, you know, you can go months without any income. So it's not nice. And you don't develop the legal skills that you would if you had you know, the typical law job. So you can't really get out of document review. So there was a reason why one of my friends, when he found out I was going to document review, he was like, no, don't go. I'm like, why? Because I'm like, you know, I need a job, you know, it's better than nothing and it doesn't pay bad. Well, he said, if you go, there's a huge chance you'll never be able to come out and then you'll never be a normal lawyer, quote unquote, normal lawyer, right? So I was like, well, you know, I don't really care at this point. I just want some kind of work experience. And I went and I guess he was right because I still haven't be able, been able to become a quote unquote normal lawyer. Oh my gosh. But why is that? Is it because you've suddenly found this route and you, you're enjoying what you're doing now? Or is it because companies won't want to employ people who've done document review i think it's the latter because i think like people feel like document review doesn't give people the skills that they they want in a litigation or corporate lawyer because they're like it's weird like the only job you can really get with document review if you're very lucky is to become an e-discovery lawyer which is where you kind of like become project manager for people who are working in document review but it takes years and a lot of certifications and a lot of people don't they don't they don't want to stick around that long in document review i can't actually believe that this is what it's like in the legal industry in canada it's just baffling me and america has a lot of document review lawyers because America in in the US ranking's really important so if you go to like a lower ranked law school there's a high chance 
no one will hire you or very few people will hire you. You're expected to either just create your own law firm, which is impossible if you're a fresh grad, especially if you don't have a lot of resources. And then in the U.S., everything's so expensive and you have these huge loans because your degrees are extremely expensive there. So um, people end up doing document review. Yeah. And it's for a lower rate than here in Canada. Such a shame, though, and so frustrating for people when it came to document review. Like you said before, you felt like a bit, a bit of a failure because you'd gone through all these studies and then you go into document review. How did you have to shift your mindset? I guess survival mindset, right? And also the fact that people in the job market, they don't like it when someone's a fresh grad with no working experience. So I didn't feel that bad when I did document review, to be honest, since it was before COVID anyway. So I was like, you know, this is a job and I'm learning stuff. You know, I've never had a full-time job you know, other than student jobs before. So I'm like, this is good. I don't mind. I don't see the stigma. I'm fine with this job. And the pay was really good because back then it was more frequent. So I never had a problem with document review in that respect. But I guess it's in retrospect that I feel like it's not good because it can trap a lot of people, especially if they don't know or want to pivot. I think that's the scary thing. I was able to pivot in some content marketing, but some people... Maybe they don't like writing or they feel like they aren't made for it. Um, or maybe they never had the opportunity, like no one hired them for writing or no client came to them. So I guess those people would be stuck because you don't know where to go. Because I feel like mentorship is for people who are in, quote unquote, taking the normal trajectory. The less normal, quote unquote, your trajectory is, the less a mentor is going to be able to help you. I guess from what you've said in this conversation today, it sounds like there isn't really a normal path because everyone has their own different paths and it could be going down the traditional route or it could be going down another route. And I guess you're raising awareness that people shouldn't feel like failures if they haven't managed to get a, you know, quote unquote, traditional law job is that right yeah exactly and i've come to that realization um since taking my master's degree because you know my master's degree is just for self-interest at this point i've come to the conclusion that i should just do stuff that i want to do not you know oh i should do this because it's more practical because one of the reasons i went into law wasn't out of passion it was because i was a political science bachelor of arts graduate and you know people say if you're really good at political science you should go into law because it's stable and it's prestigious or whatever so i i listened to them and i didn't think about the consequences of going into law because there's always consequences with such a huge decision right not only to take on loans but to change your identity. Because when you go to law school, you suddenly have this identity of being a law student. And then when you get called to the bar, a lawyer, and that really kind of restricts you in a sense, you know, you have to apply to these jobs you think that are related to law. And I've tried applying to jobs that weren't related to law. And it seems like they didn't want to hire me. And it made me question, was it because they went to law school? So it all, it almost restricts you in a way because people are like, well, we don't want to hire someone who went to law. Like they don't say it outright, but you feel it because they feel like you're a liability who's going to like whistle blow on them or you're going to eventually leave them because you're going to find a law job. Right. And they're, they've spent all your training 
all like they spent all this time and money training you, but you're going to leave anyway. So that's why they don't want to hire you. Oh my gosh, so there's a bit of a stigma. I feel that way because they always say that if you have a law degree, you can do anything. But I think it might be different depending on where you are because in England, I know that. The law degree is a just a bachelor's, like a normal bachelor's. But here, it's like a second entry undergraduate degree, so you have to have a bachelor's before you do it. So then, people consider you too educated for a job that's only requires one bachelor's, or yeah. And then people think like, "Oh, you're a lawyer. Why why don't you work in law?" Right? So it's hard to break into other stuff, and you also don't have that education. Like for example, I can't just go into finance because I didn't take finance courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. I, I totally know what you mean, and I can understand why people get a little bit down about it if they can't get a law job if when when they've gone through that you know full process. Do you kind of regret doing? Sometimes I do, to be honest. And you know, this is full disclosure. I because after going back to school for my master's, I was like, you know, this could have been my alternative path. Because originally, if I was not accepted into law school, I thought I would just do masters in political science and then like PhD. Because I I always was interested in academia. I've always loved writing and researching, and I found the academia atmosphere more collegial. Because in my experience, I, I mean, this is not representative of everyone's experience. It's just mine. For me, law. A lot of people in law seem very competitive, very dog eat dog, less collegial, and I'm not really into that. Because when I went to law school, there was a shift in atmosphere where everyone was very quiet. They kept to themselves. It was very hard to socialize. I found the same thing, and I didn't really enjoy that. Yeah, because I'm like, how can you build, you know, networks? Because you know, law is all all about networking. But when people feel like really distant, how can you reach out to them without feeling like you're intruding on their privacy? <laughs> I feel exactly the same thing. But I think through LinkedIn, I've been been able to meet people who are more like minded, or who are more like me, and you know, people like you and and other people who I've you know, interviewed on this podcast and it's all been through LinkedIn. It's not been through real life, you know, experiences, which is crazy, but there are, you know, good lawyers out there. You just got to find them. There are. Yeah. There are some really wonderful ones. Someone explained online that law is a bimodal, um, bimodal uh, career. So not only in terms of earnings, but also, I guess, maybe in terms of sociability, because you have people um, on the lower side, who couldn't get, you know, um, the, you know, the conventional law jobs, who are struggling to have ends meet, you know, through document review or other jobs, and then you have very few people in the middle, and then you have another hump at the top, at, at the second part, which is all the people working in you know, Fortune 500 companies, big law firms, and stuff. So these two uh, humps, they never meet each other. Yeah, I think the unconventional lawyers are. Attract, attracted to other unconventional lawyers and the you know traditional ones are attracted to the traditional ones and we stay in those two places because I don't think I could have a comfortable conversation with a you know you know like one of those hardcore traditional traditional um old school lawyers because mm -hmm. our, our minds yeah. are just completely different <laughs> Mm hmm. And I think a lot of them don't understand because I've talked to some of these traditional lawyers to see if I could get a mentor. And, you know, unfortunately, I've not really had great experiences. While they were very polite and very nice, they were very shocked to find out that I couldn't get one. It was like 
almost like it just didn't make sense to them. And they were like, well, you know, you just have to keep on waiting, they said. Just keep on waiting. And, you know, someday you're so intelligent. Someone's going to hire you. And I said to him, you know, I've waited, you know, nearly seven years since graduating. You know, I didn't graduate last year. I graduated in 2017. And he just said, oh, and he didn't know how to respond. Wow. That that just yeah. says it all, doesn't it? It's very difficult to find a mentor, especially for people who chose or were forced into unconventional roles. No one can help us. We have to be our own role models. You know, if we can engage in um, conversations with friends to help each other, but you know, some like waiting for someone who's really, really experienced to say, "Hey, you know, I can mentor you. I can give you a job. I can teach you everything you need to get, you know, a stable job." I don't think that will happen. Because if those people do reach out, they're just going to reach out to a conventional baby lawyer who's working at, you know, a big law firm, not someone who's doing document review or someone who's doing content writing. And don't limit yourself um, by industry because, you know, I've been talking to people who are not lawyers, you know, for example, um, my friend who recommended your podcast to me, um, she's she's a content um, manager um, Whitney, I think you know her because I think she was the one who commented on your yeah. stuff first. But, you know, she's been a great mentor to me. And I just really highly recommend looking for mentors in different fields. It does not have to be law because, you know, the longer I tried to look for mentors in law, the more frustrated I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the more impossible it became. Yeah, for sure. For sure. This is one of the reasons why I started this podcast, to be honest, because it's like, you know, every day I speak to amazing lawyers who are doing completely different things. So this is one way that people can find their own mentor. You know, if they're wanting to go down your mm-hmm. route, they can contact you. If they want to go down a digital nomad route, they can contact, you know, Simone in another podcast episode. So, yeah, I guess it's all about that, isn't it? It is. And I'm currently actually, like, as of this morning, looking into doing a second master's in laws. I mean, I know, like, I kind of gave up on the whole law thing, but this is for a specific purpose because I'm thinking of doing a PhD in, you know, potentially creating or helping to create laws or policies that can help people regulate um, fake news that could be potentially politically damaging, or, you know, eth- you know, ethically damaging. Wow. So I'm kind of looking into like ethics and philosophy now and thinking of like maybe writing a second thesis, like not political science, but for, for law to prepare me for my PhD. So that's something I'm looking into. I know academia is not for everyone, but I highly suggest it for some people who love writing and thinking about more abstract things that apply to society as a whole. So that's something I'm also looking into besides content writing, getting into academia. Wow, that's amazing. I think that's so cool, regulating fake news and stuff that's so needed. Internet has made it even more dangerous because now anyone can make a deep fake, for example, of Trump saying something and then people will actually think that he said those things when he didn't. So, you know, it's very interesting to see how as technologies evolve, how law can evolve alongside that and ethics as well, because ethics is always the foundation of law, right? 100%. I think your attestment to yourself in the fact that you've just done what you wanted to do. You've shifted your path when you couldn't find a traditional career you've done your own thing you're following your passions you're studying more you're going into academia 
I think it's amazing. And I just want to say thanks so much for sharing your story and uh, representing those people who who feel like failures, but they're actually not because look at you, you know, you're, you're a success in my eyes. You've been able to go and, and do all these things and you're going to go on to do incredible things as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I just wanted to end it on one note because, you know, I wrote this LinkedIn post about discovering my passions and following them. And I was thinking about how this semester made me realize that I do love philosophy. And one of the things in one of my philosophy classes was, you know, philosophy is about thinking about what ought to be, not what is. And, you know, that really applies to us, right? Think about what ought to be, not what you are currently or what you think you are currently. And I think that could really help. I love that. Before you go, don't forget to check out my locked episodes within this podcast. You pay a subscription fee, which is basically less than a cup of coffee, and you get access to episodes that will help you start a podcast. The episodes are short and snappy, straight to the point, and I put my years of experience, all my trials and errors into these episodes so you don't make the same mistakes that I did, and you can grow your podcast much quicker than I did.